This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. Hey, it's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 121. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for joining me today. My guest today is Anne-Louise Marquis, and she's the brand ambassador for Gramonier, among among other brands. And she's going to tell us, well, we're going to talk all about Gramonier, and we're going to talk about her uh, experience as a bartender in New York City, and now as a brand ambassador traveling you know, all around the United States, uh, representing these brands. So uh, she's a charming, lovely lady, and I can't wait to play this for you, play this interview for you. We recorded it just before Tales of the Cocktail this year, about a month ago. So uh, you'll hear that uh, coming right up. First, let's talk about the book of the week. It's imbibed by David Wondridge, and it's uh, it's all about Jerry Thomas, who's uh, considered, you know, the uh, the one of the founders of the cocktail, the original cocktail movement from you know from the late 1800s and uh, mid to the late 1800s. And uh, fascinating book. It's been updated by David, and uh, there's great history and a lot of old uh, original recipe cocktail recipes, and it's really interesting. And I highly suggest you pick this up. And while you're at it. Get uh, David's book, Esquire Drinks, and uh, an opinionated and irreverent guide to drinking. And this this book's uh, from like 2002, I believe, and uh, it's a great book. I, I had it, I, I read it cover to cover uh, many times before I even uh, knew really who David Wondridge really was. Uh, I love this book, and uh, I told him, I told him that the first time I met him, I said, uh, I said, I, you know, I got it as a gift from my wife, and uh, my wife, my wife was there as we met uh, David at Tales of the Cocktail in 2014, and I said, David. I, I love this book and I had it with me. I had him sign it. And, uh, and, I, and I said, I read it cover to cover like four or five times. My wife goes, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so get the set, imbibe the updated version and Esquire drinks, an opinionated and irreverent guide to drinking. So go to bartenderjourney.net and you'll see Amazon links to buy these books. And by buying those books through the links on the website, it won't cost you any extra, but you'll be helping support the Bartender Journey podcast a little bit. I appreciate it. All right, you may remember I spoke to David in show number 110, and uh, go back if you haven't listened to that. Here's a little clip of it. I asked David, why do you think it is so important as a bartender to understand the, the history of cocktails? Well, that's the story, you know, and uh, otherwise we might as well all be drinking vodka martinis, you know. <laughs> Without the story, uh, uh, the story makes a drink taste better. It, makes, it, te- it, it, it tells you what to drink instead of something else. You know, a drink with a story that appeals to you is a, a drink that you have a connection with, and and uh, you're sort of enrolling yourself in its long history. Uh, I always think that's fun. You know, as I'm sitting there sipping my uh, Pegu Club cocktail and thinking of the uh, the British gents at the Pegu Club in uh, in Burma in you know 1914, drinking them, and that, that's always amusing to me. And you know, apparently to a lot of other people too. So, you know, I do it mostly because it's amusing to me. So, yeah, be sure to go back and listen to that full interview with David Wondridge in Bartender Journey Podcast number 110. All right, before we get to that interview with Anne Louise, uh, let's talk about a little industry news. Camper English uh, published an article. Uh, he surveyed the 50 top bars and uh, found out what were the most popular drinks. And it turns out the Moscow Mule and the Old Fashioned are extremely extremely popular these days. And uh, I, I found that interesting. Um Moscow Mule's a great drink. The ginger beer is uh, delicious uh, when you get a good one. And, uh, I mean, I prefer the uh, dark and stormy with rum instead of vodka, but uh, 
you know, similar, basically the same drink. But uh, it's a, it's it's an interesting uh, trend, and that the old fashioned is uh, so popular now. I guess part of that's uh, attributed to the Madman show, but also the uh, kind of resurgence in the uh, classic cocktail, uh, you know, the classic cocktail movement, if you want to call it that. Another trend is uh, low ABV, lower alcohol uh, cocktails, and uh, you're seeing a lot of cocktails now made with uh, vermouth, people drinking vermouth on the rocks. Uh, as you heard me talk about with Adam Ford uh, a few episodes ago, with when we were talking about his ad, ad speed vermouth, and uh, a lot of uh, cocktails now being made with sherry, and uh, it's a it's a trend, a good trend to uh, to get people drinking lower ABV cocktails, alcohol alcohol by volume, of course that that stands for, and. And get home safely. All right, let's talk to Anne Louise. We're going to talk uh, about bartending and Grand Marnier and about being a brand ambassador. Hey, don't forget to stay tuned to the very end of the show for our toast. We're going to raise a glass and uh, enjoy a drink together. So uh, that's at the very end. All right, here we go. Hi. Hi. How are you today? Hi. I'm doing well. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. Um, I just realized I'm in this hotel lobby and there's like ambient music. Is that okay? Uh, it, it's okay. It's a little noisy, but we'll be all right. <laughs> okay, maybe, I know, my, I was going to be in my, my co-worker's room, and then he checked out and uh, left. <laughs> left. And I was like, stuck at the lows. It's yeah. fine. Don't worry about uh, it. Okay, maybe I can sneak over to the other corner. Okay. It's really annoying. Okay. No, no can problem. You, can you see me? No. Oh, oh, that's weird. I, oh, okay. Oh, oh, here. Hey, there you are. Hi. 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 <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> Where are you? I am in the Lowe's Hotel in Hollywood. Oh, wow. It's a lot of backlighting. That's um, okay. There we go. Cool. Uh, yeah, and I, we just had a big, um, it's called the general sales meeting. So they bring all 200 sales reps from Southern California come together and do, and we present to them. So okay. I had, I just did that. And then Jane Seymour came and spoke, oh, which wow. was like so <laughs> random and so delightful. And she's like so stunning and so smart and so thoughtful uh-huh. so it was wow. very cool That's yeah fun. but you're based in new york right i am based in new york um mm-hmm. but i cover i sort of we sort of have a weird situation yeah, okay, i'm gonna nice go way. in the back corner because it's quite noisy okay with all these tourists walking in <laughs> so i it's a it's sort of a weird situation i live in brooklyn okay. um but i cover i cover new york and then virginia <laughs> DC and Maryland, okay. and then California, Nevada, Colorado, and Arizona. So I basically cover the West, wow. but I live in the East. But wow. it, it a lot of traveling, it, huh? It's eighty percent travel. I'm wow. on the road all the time. Uh huh. I wanted to ask you, like, if somebody wanted to be a brand ambassador, how would they do that? But then again, be careful oh. which for, right? <laughs> I know. What's interesting is like this is this is one hundred percent the job that I asked the universe for. Like, I yeah. would go to my yoga class every day. Yeah. And be like, I want this job, and I want to do this, and I want to travel, and I want this kind of travel, and I want this kind of, and I got everything I asked for, which yeah. was just. But now I'm. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired all the time. <laughs> I never see my boyfriend. Yeah. I forget what my apartment looks like. I come home and I'm like, what? Wait, you mean there's nobody that comes and makes my bed every day? What is like, that? Who, who put that there? Like, who made that choice? You know, like, <laughs> like oh, I did that. Like, old me did that three, yeah. three months ago, but I just haven't been home. <laughs> nice. Or like, where did I put my passport? I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah, oh. I don't know how the guys that travel the world do it. Like, Philip Duff, he's all over the world. I don't know how you stay awake. It's 
challenging. I sort of accept that I just don't. I don't adhere to time zones. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I'm just here. And that's what's happening. Like, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what day it is. I'm just here. And I'm focused on you. All right. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for talking to me and taking the time. Well, I read somewhere that you you used to work at the Royalton Hotel. I did. I worked at the Royalton. Worked, you worked at the Hilton? No, I, you were in another life. I, I do uh, audio post production too, and I worked in a recording studio on Forty Fifth oh. between Fifth and Sixth. Oh, so you you know exactly and where then, it was. And then I went to the gym there uh, on Forty Fourth oh, Street. Funny. You know the New York Sports Club right there. Yeah. And one day, a buddy of mine who he's a Wall Street guy. He uh, and he works downtown, but he was in, he was in Midtown for some reason. He met me after work, and he said, uh, "Let's go to the Royalton Hotel for drinks." He said they make a great blueberry martini i was like blueberry martini come on he said no 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 no. they're really good they're really good and uh i'll tell you they were pretty good (laughs) well i will say that the royalton i i joined so i moved to new york and i was a bartender and i was just like so in love with the whole scene and the whole world and i i wrote an email to someone in la it was called little girl big city it was like 25 and like totally, Oh, that, totally, was, the, that you know, was the subject of the email? Yeah, the subject was called, <laughs> called The Little Girl Big City. And he forwarded it. And I didn't realize, I didn't had no idea who anybody was. And he forwarded it to Jim Meehan, Richie Bacato, and John Pogash. <laughs> and I didn't know who anybody was. So I was like, oh, hey, guys. Like if you, I don't know if you know anybody, like doing any, I don't know. Like if someone make if someone's doing like good drinks, like that'd be great. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, okay. And so Richie called me. He's like, we're opening this. We just were consulting on this bar if you want to come in. And so I, I walked in looking for Richard Bocado because I didn't know how to say his name. <laughs> and he he's in the back with literally, it's like Willie Shine, Aisha Sharp, Eric Alperin, Misty Kalkofen, Simon Ford, John LaMayer. Oh, God, I'm forgetting a couple of people. Like they all did a contract with the Royalton to redo their bar. Oh, okay. What, what year was that? This was, oh, God, this was five years ago. Okay. Yeah, it was five years ago. So they did this, they had this contract, and that's when they kind of maybe switched over from the blueberry martini <laughs> culture. Yeah, this that was had definitely, been there. this was more like eight years ago. I'm okay, about. so yeah, so this is, they were switching over from that, and because it's a union hotel, they mm-hmm. had, they weren't really allowed to hire anybody new. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I was the only, I was one of two that was allowed to be hired. Okay. Um, and so I got this amazing, that was my introduction to New York, was I met everybody uh-huh. in one night. Right. Like it was the Simon Ford was the first person. I, I had no idea who he was. He was just like my friend Simon, like this kind of funny British guy, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. funny. Now, what is Ladies United for Preservation of Endangered oh, Cocktails? <laughs> what is that? Lupac is sort of a, it's a loose organization, at least in New York. It's sort of a, it, it started, I believe, in Boston. Um, basically as, as women, as women committed to learning about cocktails and knowing about them, it wasn't even bartenders, I believe that started it, but it's, it's kind of become the, the kind of the women's cocktail group, um, okay. in New York. Oh, yeah. okay. Hmm. Yeah. So somehow they, I hadn't heard of that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's less, I don't know. They've kind of lost a little steam recently. Um, but they're really wonderful and it's just like, it's basically like any Lupec event is just everything we do is with charity. So it always ties with the charity. And just about supporting women in the industry. Um, oh, the, pres- you, the president of that is also Run Speed Rack, which is oh, yeah. the definitely more well-known kind yeah. of female event. <laughs> female power. Yeah. Female power, yeah. yeah. 
And you're involved with the uh, the U.S. Bartenders Guild too, right? I am as often as I can be. Um, yeah. We have an amazing New York chapter. I believe it's the biggest chapter in the country. Yeah. And Pam Wisnitzer is our president, and she's just the greatest. And they do a lot of really fun stuff. So as as mu- I'm just not in town enough, um, yeah. but as much as I can, I, I support them and I support their events. And we partner with them as often as possible when we do parties and educational events and stuff. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's great. It's cool to be, just be part of a community that is so well organized. Right, right. It's amazing. Well, uh, we're, we're, we're here to talk about Gramonier, I guess. Yeah. You guys uh, yeah. so nicely sent along some bottles. Yes. Oh, you got you got the good stuff, too. Uh, I was yeah. like, Look at that. like, what should you send him? And I was like, I would send him the, the good stuff. The, <laughs> I was saying, because we sent you the, did we send you the, the higher levels, too? Or did we send uh, you the, the raspberry peach? The raspberry peach, oh, yeah. The raspberry peach. Oh, yes, I love the raspberry. Oh, that's my, <laughs> that's my guilty pleasure. So we do Grand Marnier, Cordon Rouge. Um, yep. We do the raspberry peach. Um, and then we have a cuvee collection, which is uh, basically a 25-year-old cognac, a 60-year-old cognac, and then a 100-year-old cognac, wow. um, which we're not really able to ship very often, at least the 100-year yep. one. Um, are you coming to Tails? Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, then if I see you at Tails, I will... Awesome. Happily for them for you. Cool. So, yeah, so I work on those. And then we have a product called Kappa Pisco. Did you get that? No, but I've been working with Brittany to uh, make that happen for a future episode. Oh, you're supposed to have it. Okay. Um, I was hoping you'd have it today. And then um, and then we – those are our spirits. And then we make wine as well. So we make uh, Chateau de Sancerre in Sancerre. Nice. And we make um, Casa La Postal and Cloa Palta, our, our third wine we make in, in Chile. Oh, yeah? Have you been yeah. down, Have you been down there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, I bet. So in the 90s, Alexandre Marnier, who's sixth generation, wanted to expand the family's wine holding. And, and I think – have a project and do something, you know, innovative. And, and so she traveled around the world for a year, kind of figuring out where the new place to make wine should be. And mm. she settled on Chile and she became the first female winemaker in Chile and the first, one of the first French winemakers in Chile. And she brought with her all this knowledge, this French winemaking knowledge, um, that basically like she was part of that original group that kind of revolutionized the Chilean wine industry. And there's um, some great wine being made down there, right? It was amazing. And what's amazing is that the land that she bought happened to have, have obviously have vines growing on it, but they were, they're old, they're pre-phylloxera. Oh, wow. They had like Carmenere, oh, wow. which was lost. Like no one knew, they called it Chilean Merlot. They had lost it to phylloxera in, in Europe. In Europe, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so they How found cool it. So it, it's so cool. And so there's just like stuff that you don't, I'm really interested in time and the way and just time in general and how we interact with time and how spirits, like how long you grow a vine or how, how much time you invest in, in aging something um, that makes it that much more special. Right. And, and that having a really long view of time, I think more and more we're getting these shorter and shorter views on time. Like I want it now, I want it instantly. And we kind of forget like our history. 140 and characters. That, 140 <laughs> characters, like how short we make it. And then what I love about our wine and about, about cognac the most is, is that we invest so much time and we take such a, a long view of time when we make our products. All right. So it's not... Um, it's not distill today, sell tomorrow. It's distill today and then wait and wait, 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 <laughs> wait, wait. How old? Wait. How old is the cognac in a in, a, uh, in the Grand Marnier? In a in a Cordon Rouge, what you're tasting right now, I believe, yep. the red. Yep. 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 So that is between three and five years old, um, and sometimes up to ten. Hmm. But typically, a, a three to five year old um, kind of a VS VSOP level mm-hmm. uh, cognac. Also, what's interesting to me is that the barrels we use to make it take 125 years to to grow the tree. 
Wow. Yeah. So even though it's a three to five year old cognac, you're in a very, very old barrel wow. um, that may have been used. That barrel may have been in operation for 40 or 50 years before we even put that in there. Mm. So it's, it, there's just a lot of layers to like, yes, the cognac, the, the, the eau de vie is, is three to five. And then everything else around it has been there for centuries. So the eau de vie, for anyone who doesn't know, we're talking about grape oh, yeah. brandy. Right. And it's, cle- yeah. it's clear, obviously, when it's yeah. first distilled. Eau de vie means translates to water of life. So that was, or aqua vitae is a, a similar uh, translation of that, the Latin. And it, it's the idea that people figured out that you could boil wine and harvest basically the heart of that, of that wine, which mm. is this water of life. Um, and people found it very invigorating when they mm. drank it to start. Um, and that's why they gave it that name. Um, and then sometime in like the, oh God, 16, sorry, in like the 1500s, they realized that if they put it in oak, it got better with right. time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then and that's the, where it picks up yeah. its color too, because it's it's and clear. That's where it gets its color. Yeah. yeah, it comes off. Everything comes off is still clear. Yeah. Um, because you're pulling out just the essential alcohol, and then when it comes off the still, and then we take um, we distill twice. Cognac is always distilled twice, um, and we take just that beautiful heart cut, um, and we distill that again. And we take a beautiful heart cut from that. And that's what we end up um, aging, and, and then use. I know blending is a big part of making cognac. Blending, yeah, blending is so cognac is all blending. It, it, cognac to me is so fascinating as a as a whole industry because it's it's dictated by the houses, by the maisons, by these big brands, but it's really made by the locals. It's made by the people that live in cognac. So it, it, it whereas like other you know other distilleries get all the raw materials and they distill it themselves in cognac we have 5000 independent growers who grow and then of that 1500 of them distill their own product and barrel it and sometimes save it for years and years before we ever buy it mm. which i think is just such a different system and so it's a, and we've had these generational contracts so that it's a very long view again um, but then it's yes it's always a blend so we're pulling from all these different eau de vies. Mm-hmm. And then we use two different kinds of barrel as well. So there's two kinds of wood. So one wood gives you kind of a more wood flavor. One is more restrained because uh-huh. of their cell, their cell walls have different kind of structure. So in one, you're getting kind of, there's just two very distinct flavors. Some cognac houses use one over the other. And kind of Martell uses one, Hennessy uses one. We use both. So we're going to be do making a blend of grapes from different regions and different vineyards, and then a blend of different barrels, and then a different a blend of ages as well. So you're getting like all these multifaceted, you know, elements coming together to make this product. So so what's the process? You, you, you buy the eau de vie, right? And then, okay. So we and, so we buy the eau de vie, or we some of some of it we make ourselves. So okay. we get the eau de vie. Mm-hmm. The eau de vie is obtained. It is aged either by us or by the local farmers, um, depending on the on the level. The Cordon Rouge we age most of it ourselves because it's it's a younger one, and we can we have that room to keep rotating stuff through. Okay. Uh, so yes, we make the eau de vie, we barrel it, and then we let it sit for a few years. And then Patrick is our master blender, and he's incredible. He's it's one man, it's one nose. And it's just the most amazing nose. <laughs> He's just incredible. Um, his family has been making cognac since the 1600s wow. in the region. Um, the region didn't get named cognac till the ni- till 1909, but his family, it goes that far back. Wow. And uh, he's personally been making cognac for 45 years. <laughs> he, his family owns land that, so he makes, like, he makes cognac that he sells to Grand Marnier, which is kind of funny. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then when is the orange flavor introduced? Okay. So, so yeah, so there's the cognac part. Then the orange flavor comes, um, the orange is actually originated in the Caribbean. <laughs> 
but or before that, they had to get there somehow. And they came there on those initial voyages by like, like people like Christopher Columbus who were exploring the New World. Mm. They would leave from Spain, right? So the Seville orange, right, is a very famous orange. And, and if you're in Sevilla ever, the, in the springtime, the streets are lined with orange trees. And mm. in the springtime, all the trees blossom. Oh. And it's, so, <laughs> it's just so delicious. It's such a night. I had this memory of being 16 and just smelling like the whole city. It was just so beautiful. So they left from Spain and they brought with them these oranges because sailors suffer from a condition called scurvy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get vitamin C, your teeth fall out. Mm-hmm. So they would plant, and it's pretty interesting how much maritime history ties in with the history of different spirits. And yeah. like constantly fascinated with <laughs> like rum and gin and aquavit and just everything kind of somehow ties to the sea. Right. So they bought the boats and they would, um, they would leave everything. They'd leave chickens and goats and, and pigs. I mean, that's how all these kind of things got introduced along the way. And they would plant these orange trees along the way. But the oranges weren't that great. And no. they didn't actually, like, do very well in that climate. Yeah. Um, but until they realized in, like, the 1800s that what you could do is peel them yeah. and, and harness the essential oil from the skin. Right. So all of our marketing material for Grand Marnier is, is these, like, big, bright, juicy oranges. Yeah. Which is like the opposite of what we use. So we use, um, oh, shoot, I don't even have, I wish I had one for you to show you. It's like, it's this like green, hard green little, like, yeah, they're green. Um, and we pick them um, because the most flavor is harnessed in that young age. So a, a green banana is going to have a higher concentration of flavor. Hmm. I right, have that right, mm-hmm. right flavor. So green oranges have, have this more oil density and, and a riper flavor in that skin. Mm-hmm. So we pick them, we cut them in quarters, they scoop out the fruit, and then they dry them on burlap sacks in the sun. Mm. It's like nothing more high-tech than that. I mean, it's been done the same way since 1880. Uh-huh. They wrap them in burlap sacks, they send them to France, and when you walk through the distillery in France, it's like when you walk through this area, it's floor-to-ceiling burlap sacks, which are just full of orange peels, mm. and it feels like you're walking through Grand Marnier. You feel like you're like swimming through this liquid because it's so strong. And I, and I tell that story because I, I really want people to know that this is, a, is 100% natural. Yeah. That this is a product that's made, it's, it's made with grapes and oranges and some neutral alcohol and some beets for the sugar. So it's, it's all made, it's all of the earth. Right, right. With all those different variables, it seems like it would be hard to keep consistency, you know, with this product, that's with all those blending. things. Yeah. That's the blending. That's, yeah, and yeah. That's, that's the art of it is that, and our, our master blender is so, so great. He's like, we don't, he's like, I have this problem with Mr. Marnier. And I was like, oh no. He's like, we're in, a, we're in a conflict. And I was like, what's the conflict? And he said, Mr. Marnier wants me to create the same product over and over and over again. And I can't do that. But what I can do is create the same quality product mm. because he's like, I'm dealing with grapes. I'm dealing with terroir. I'm dealing yeah. with season, seasons and, and time and history and soil composition. And I, he said, I, you cannot make the same, you cannot make the same eau de vie. You cannot right. make it. I mean, the barrels are different. The trees are different. Everything's different. He said, but I can make the same quality that we owe, that we aspire to. I can hit that quality note. Uh-huh. He's also very good. I've never tasted two bottles of Grand Marnier that taste very different from one another, no. but I, I respect that perspective that he has about how, how he blends it and, and his, his approach to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I mean, to me, you think about wine, you know, and every year yeah. that has a vintage and they always taste different, you know, and I think that's yeah. kind of interesting to me, you know. I, right. I had this discussion with somebody else. I was like, why, why, why can't we have, like, vintages with whiskey, you know? Like, I, I, want, I want to taste the difference, but, you know. Yes. 
do that. We do like a single barrel, single estate. Mm. We do single vineyard. We don't do that. But like there's, you know, there's years, different ages. It's, yeah, it's just different with spirits. Yeah, it's always been a little, the, the wine, the wine and the spirits is always, they're close, but they're not the same. We don't right. treat them the same. Yeah, interesting. yeah, yeah. So we get the oranges. We run them through this machine. That basically, so we soak them overnight in water. We run them through this machine that's basically like two rolling pins with an X-Acto knife in between. And it just peels off that like super thin green mm-hmm. skin. Mm-hmm. And then we soak that for two weeks in a very high, high proof neutral grain alcohol. Okay. And then we distill it. Uh-huh. It's, a, it's a basically a, a combination of a, of a copper and a column still. So it's sort of a funky, has a rectifier on it. It's, it's very funky. But it, what it produces basically is a very high proof orange perfume. That comes off the still. It's, it's the same way you'd make perfume. Um, it's different than most distillation styles. And that's what we use. And then we add sugar and water. And then we blend it with Grand Marnier, with the, with the cognac. And that's how we create Grand Marnier. And then we let that sit between two and six months in a giant oak container. Mm-hmm. And let it all rest and blend. And then we bottle it. Oh, okay. So by the time you're sipping it, it's been aged at least two and a half years to be considered a cognac. In a barrel that is at least 125 years plus two years for drying, so 127, plus another two to six months to rest altogether. Oh, so that's interesting. The, the orange flavor comes before yeah. the last distillation. Because I've, yeah, so, I've tried to make, you know, the simulated Grand Marnier where you, add, you take some brandy and you add the orange peels and, yeah, sh- and, and uh, simple syrup. <laughs> yeah, we, we do that in the office sometimes. We'll, like, look up those, like, how to, like, DIY make your own yeah, Grand Marnier. Yeah. And, I mean, we have the experiments. One guy said you should um Oh God! Take a take brandy and then put um, a whole orange in cheesecloth and then just hang it over the brandy. <laughs> it's just gonna you're gonna get a moldy orange. Like that, it doesn't. That reminds me of the people that make their martinis by spraying the uh, vermouth in the air and waving the glass through it. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna get you anywhere. No, so I think there's a misconception. I think people think that we age the orange in the barrel. We don't. Everything gets yeah. blended at the end. So oh, okay. the cognac is made separately. The orange is made separately. The sugar is obviously produced separately, and then we blend them all together. Interesting. Um, yeah. At the end. So yeah. So so the raspberry peach came out two years ago. And the raspberry peach is basically the same thing as what you're tasting. Um, so it's 51% cognac, 49% fruit essence. Mm. Um, but with the peach, we do a maceration. So instead of a distillation, um, like with the orange peels, we're actually using the fruit, the flesh of the peach okay. to pull the flavor. And we do the same with raspberries um, from, we say Eastern Europe. It's Croatia, Serbia. We grow them. Although my Scottish friend got mad at me yesterday. He's like, you should be buying Scottish raspberries. Scottish raspberries. That sounds Apparently, good. raspberries are the number one export. One of the fruit exports from Scotland. Wow. Because they like they like fog and cold. Mm. Yeah, so we take um, the peaches and the raspberries, and then we do a maceration. We do separate macerations, and then we blend them all at the end the same. Um, but with this, we actually have less sugar. I don't know if you're tasting that in yep. the raspberry mm-hmm. peach. It's a little less sweet. Um, it, ta- it smells sweeter because of the peach, and it kind of tricks your brain. But compositionally, there's it's only 150 grams per liter. Is the ABV the same? ABV is the same. Yeah. yeah, still a cognac, still the same style of cognac. Uh, but yeah, just a little less sugar and a little more fruit. To me, this is like the best. This is like instant Bellini. It's great in yeah. champagne. It's great in a sangria. Mm. Um, French 75 with this is delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a crazy idea to try this with a little Campari and some soda. Ooh. How does that sound? That sounds delicious. <laughs> I might, do that. I might just do that. Do it. I've got, it right, I've got it right do here. It. <laughs> it has a great smell. The, the, just the great aroma. Yeah, the nose is really nice. It really it's is. a peche de vin, so it's not a typical peach. 
Mm. It's not like a Georgia peach. It's these peaches that grow in the south of France, and the the flesh in on them is pink. Mm. So, and they're uses they're called indicator fruit. They use them and they grow them on the vineyards as like in case it's basically like a canary in a coal mine. Uh huh. So if the peaches start to rot, they know that the grapes are in danger. Oh, okay. But often that doesn't happen, and so the South is like surplus of peaches. Uh-huh. So, yeah. All right. How does it taste? Did you try it yet? Have you done it? Hey, Anne Louise, this is delicious. Ah, the, good. The peach, raspberry, the Campari, and soda. Oh, that looks so – and a it's little orange. A little orange, orange twist. There. Yeah. That's great. That's good. That's money. That's like am a I good summer drink. Am I going to see that on your website soon? Your, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my personal website that I have any control over. I'll definitely definitely have one today. Oh, it's good. Look at your social media and tag you in it. <laughs> I tagged you on something. Just before we started, I said, this is how I prepare for a podcast. And I took a picture yes. of all these bottles and glasses I have surrounding me at the moment. <laughs> nice. That's so cool. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. I get to meet so many, so many cool people with this thing. Yeah, this is really neat. I really like this. Yeah. Now, so, talking yeah. about Grand Marnier, uh, yeah. the first time I went to Employees Only, I ordered a Manhattan. And guess, yes. guess what they put in the Manhattan? Grand Marnier. Oh, my God. It was delicious. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So that's the Jerry Thomas, that's the Jerry Thomas original Manhattan. Calls for, yeah, it calls for orange curacao. Oh. So um, the EO boys, I mean, I, I'm dating one of them, but this is before that ever started. And that's, they've always done that in their Manhattan. It's always been one of our greatest placements, and we're so happy and proud to work with them. And um, we had one the other night. I was out, and we were kind of we wanted an after dinner drink, and we had the bartender make it. He did um, 0.5 um, Grand Marnier, 0.5 Vermouth, and then we did two ounces of uh, kind of a lower proof rye, mm. um, and it was so delicious. Yeah, it's such a nice kind of variation on the on, and and two dashes of bitters. Mm-hmm. Like such a great kind of variation on the Manhattan that's just delicious and drinkable and yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. It's good. The other another great bourbon to drink with the um the raspberry peach is called a Georgia julep. Okay. And it's a traditional julep, right? Is made with um mint and and it used to be made with brandy. Right. Originally. And right. like a lot of drinks, a lot of cocktails lost brandy sort of lost the placement because of phylloxera. Um, and so, and, I, and that's sort of my theory of why Grand Marnier doesn't have more of a presence in kind of these classic recipes mm-hmm. because it was around, it should have been involved in all of these. It would have had a place at all of the bars, but because brandy was so special and Grand Marnier was already a cocktail on its own, mm. people didn't drink it. Yeah. Is my theory. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, they just didn't, and because it was so expensive because brandy was so special. So the julep originally was made with brandy, so this recipe calls for it is, is bourbon with a peach brandy mm. in it, um, and then fresh mint and crushed sugar. I mean, crushed ice and a little bit of some bowl, a little sugar, um, mm. and it's just like so refreshing and summery and delicious. It's That's, so good. That does sound good. Yeah, we did a bunch of them for the derby. That was our oh, derby yeah. drink. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. You get to go and to all like, the fun yeah. stuff. Yeah, well, I get to I get to send I get to send recipes for all of this. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is so good because the the uh, the Gramonier, the peach adds like a nice body to it, you know, and and the sweetness, you know. I, I love Campari, but Campari and soda is always just a little too light for me, you know. I mean, it's yeah, yeah. That that works really well. Hmm, I'm glad I thought of that. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good. I'm gonna do that later when I go out do tonight it. for dinner. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. how much longer are you in in LA? Um, I'm here through the weekend, and then, then you're going I straight to New Orleans. Go straight to New Orleans. It made more sense than flying home. Yeah. So here. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a long way to LA. It's a, 
I call it the hallway. Like I gotta get in the hallway. Yeah. Because it's like it's this corridor that I'm just I go back and forth. I go back and forth <laughs> once a month, and so I'm like always back and forth. Yeah, yeah. It's a five-hour-long hallway. So um, what events are you doing at Tales this year? So we're doing um, – we don't have a huge presence this year. Um, we were hired one year ago, pretty much, me and, and my coworker, Justin Cochran, um, to do trade activation and trade engagement. And we're still getting ramped up to do more and more. Um, so with that disclaimer, we're doing – we're just doing a spirited dinner at the La Petite Grocerie, mm-hmm. which I'm really excited about. We have this amazing chef – who's James Beard nominated and this beautiful restaurant that just serves such beautiful French food, but with like a, a really like fresh modern take on it. It's okay. not, he uses a lot of Asian flavors and he mixes in obviously local and fresh produce. See if it's very seasonal, it's going to be, it's gonna be a nice twist on the, a traditional French meal, mm-hmm. but then we're pairing it obviously with Grand Marnier and we're doing, um, the theme is time because I was saying I'm obsessed with time. So right. <laughs> everything's time. So we have a cocktail. What are we doing? We're doing so we're doing a barrel aged cocktail, of course, mm. and then we're doing um, we're doing a, a drink in honor of of women's right to vote. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing we're doing a sherry cobbler with the raspberry peach. That's basically the first drink that women were allowed to like the first cocktail women were allowed to consume socially that was kind of deemed appropriate. Okay. <laughs> um, so we're doing that just kind of, kind of get give people context because that wasn't all that long ago that that happened that women you know <laughs> were allowed like, to vote that was like uh 2002 wasn't it <laughs> yeah like, yeah exactly um and then we're doing a drink in honor of the mayfly whose life is five minutes long <laughs> so we're gonna have you know in the time it took us to make this drink the mayfly has lived and died <laughs> what's in um, that um oh it's this and it's the shrub so we're doing this really beautiful um Peach, basil, fennel, red wine, shrub. Nice. With uh, the raspberry peach, the lemon, prosecco. It's going to be delicious. Awesome. Really excited. And Louise, I really appreciate your time. It was such a pleasure to meet you. Yes. And uh, I will see you next week. I'll see you next week. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Thanks again. Take Take care. Bye now. Cheers. Bye. How much fun was that? Aunt Louise, she's a lovely lady, and uh, I could have talked to her all day. All of a sudden, unfortunately, I realized I, I was late to uh, call somebody else on Skype for for another interview for the for the podcast. But uh, we kind of felt bad. I rushed her off the phone all of a sudden, but I I could have talked to her all day. And and unfortunately, we never did run into each other at Tales of the Cocktail. So. Uh, and Louise, hopefully we meet up again uh, at some other event uh, in New York City. If you're doing anything, let me know. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, hey, I want to tell you guys, next week on this very program, it's Tristan Stevenson. He's the author of the Curious Bartender series of books, and he's very influential in the bar scene in England. And uh, he worked with Jamie Oliver. And uh, you, you, wait till you hear this guy. He's a smart guy and uh, knows what he's talking about. This uh, fascinating conversation. So I'm um, looking forward to getting that out there for you guys next time on Bartender Journey. Hey, don't forget to stay tuned for our toast at the very end of the podcast. Uh, but hey, first I want to tell you, uh, I'm going to post up the video, uh, the full-length interview with uh, Anne Louise. Uh, I shortened it slightly uh, just to make it fit into the uh, sort of format that I that I usually do here on the uh, podcast. But uh, the, we we talk for uh, for quite a while, and uh, and there's even more, and you can see us and hear us on uh, on YouTube. And uh, the YouTube channel is youtube.com slash the bartender journey unfortunately somebody beat me to bartender <laughs> youtube.com slash bartender journey so so remember it's uh youtube.com slash the bartender journey and uh i will 
get around to posting that as soon as I can, uh, the full-length interview with audio and video with Anne Louise, and we're talking about uh, Gramenier and, and bartending and being a, a brand ambassador. It was, it was a great conversation. Don't forget the website is bartenderjourney.net. You can find me on Twitter at Barkeep Tips. You can find the Facebook page. Just search Bartender Journey in the, in the search bar on Facebook and like that page. Like it. And uh, email me. Please feel free to email me for any reason. It's vince.bartender at gmail.com. And uh, remember, bartenderjourney.net, you can, there's uh, several ways to help the, support the show there. If you just click through any of those Amazon links, you'll be helping out the show a little bit. If you buy anything, it doesn't cost you any extra. And uh, there's also our tip cup page and uh we could use your support keeping this show going because there's a lot of expenses uh incurred with uh putting this together and hosting hosting the media on on the on the interweb so uh you know uh help us out go to itunes and uh leave a review say something nice and leave some stars five stars is the most you can give the most you can give give as many as you want five is the most all right our toast is coming right up but remember next week tristan stevenson you don't want to miss it Here's our toast. May you live as long as you like and have all you like as long as you live. Cheers. We'll see you next time on Bartender Journey. Mm-hmm.